welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined as ever by Mr. Scott McDermott. Today we're going to be looking at everything that's happened with Rangers in the last few days, not least their 5-1 victory over Motherwell and the ensuing refereeing controversy. Although, Scott, it'll be interesting to hear what you think about whether or not it's actually a controversy. (laughs) And we will look ahead to the upcoming Galatasaray Europa League match. Scott, that's the the big topic really, isn't it, now? Because um, a lot of the comment, the conjecture, the post-match discussion from Rangers versus Motherwell has not been on what was at times a a very controlled and scintillating attacking display um, where players like Jordan Jones made a case for being included more often, where Cedric Eaton all of a sudden came out of nowhere to show his real quality in in a very exciting cameo. And instead, it's all been focused on the refereeing decisions in a game that Rangers completely dominated. So, listen, let's get this out of the way straight up. Rangers two penalties, were they pens, in your opinion, (laughs) under the current rules? Yeah, 100%. Johnny, I don't know why there's any debate really surrounding it. I mean, we all know... The, the way the laws are currently on handball, that it's that it's wrong. No, it's probably been highlighted more in the English Premier League than it has been up here. Um, but I mean, I think the stats, I mean, the stats and penalties given so far in the English Premier League uh, is crazy. I mean, I think I was watching the Monday Night Football last night, and if you can carry these stats on, no, the way it's going just now, there would be like eighty odd penalties given uh, by the end of the season for handball. I mean, that just can't. Uh, can't go on so it hasn't affected the Scottish game as much I would say but obviously uh, Rangers get two penalties through the handball uh, this new handball rule at the weekend but I mean I don't think uh, as I say under the current guidelines anyone can really complain I mean if the ball touches your hand now in the box whether it's deliberate or not then the referee um, is under orders to, to point to the penalty spot so for me I mean it was if you if you're no, if you're Motherwell, you would really feel hard done by, um, certainly the players involved and the manager. However, I mean, the big picture, again, I don't really know why there's been such a big deal made about the penalties when, I mean, it had no bearing on the game. Rangers were, were really dominant uh, from the off. Whether they did get two penalties or not, I'm sure they would have won fairly comfortably um, by at least two or three goals. Um, so, no, for me, they were, they, they were clear clear penalties, the law is wrong I don't agree with it but no, listen, everybody spoke about it, Roy Hodgson was probably the clearest of all um, after his game at the weekend, no, we need to get back to a bit of normality in, uh, in terms of the way it used to be with handball, if it's deliberate of course it's a foul or a penalty, but if the ball just strikes you in the box um, and there's not a lot you can do about it then no, that, that shouldn't be given as a penalty but at the moment that's that's the laws of the game, and I think. Yeah, let, let me play devil's advocate on that, Scott. Let me play devil's advocate. Isn't I love playing devil's the, advocate, don't you? Ah, I love doing it. Isn't the the way the rules were previously almost as difficult to to work out? I mean, this idea of proving someone making a deliberate no. handball. No, but I mean we had all. But hold on, let me let me just let me just explain. I need to stop you because. You're about to say, uh, no, it comes down to interpretation. Well, I, I, I totally agree with that. that. This goes back to my whole point about VAR and why I don't agree with VAR. Um, 
No, fundamentally because we've got away. If I've spoke to you before about this, we've got away from the way football was meant to be, where a referee's interpretation, um, you no, know, decides what's a foul, what's not a foul, what's a penalty, what's not, what's not a penalty. The, the the referee has to has to decide. He's going to get some wrong. He's going to get some right. He's going to decide in the midst of the game whether it's a whether it's a penalty or not, whether it's a deliberate handball or not. We need to get back to that. We need to give the referees you no know, a bit more. Uh, I don't know if power is the right word, but no, let, let let their judgment whether you agree with it or no. Trust. That's that's the reason why we love football. Because back again, I say it's it's why I don't agree with VAR. Football isn't black and white no that's why for no hundreds of years we've been arguing in pubs no after games about what's a penalty what was a red card that's why we love football and we're getting further and further away from that all the time and this this handball nonsense is, is just another example of that yeah, listen, obviously I am just playing devil's advocate. I can't defend this handball rule. It's impossible to defend. I felt when it first came in that, you know, give it a chance. Let's see how it goes. But it, it just hasn't worked. And listen, I, I agree with you on Motherwell. I feel sorry for them. And when I, when I was doing the live blog on Saturday, I, I did write in the blog that, you know, especially with the first one for me with uh, Bevis Mugabe, I think it was um, Arfield's uh, ducks in front of the ball. Now, yeah. he's got maybe a quarter of a second to react there. And yes, his arm's slightly out, but he's not expecting the ball to come anywhere near it. So there would be no reason for him to tuck his, his hand in. Uh, and with regards to um, the second one, it's kind of similar in that, once again, there's a player going up for a header. Um, I can't remember, I can't recall who actually is going up for the header in front of him, uh, Grimshaw, but the, 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 he's not expecting the ball to land where it does. Now, the fact is that's that's totally irrelevant yeah, with the way the current I, rules are. I, I would say, you know, I would say yeah, I, I would say I don't know, I don't quite know why Grimshaw's got his arm up, bent, you no, know, around his shoulder, you no, know, his kind of elbow pointing mm-hmm. out. I can only assume it's up there because you're right. He thinks I think it was Calvin Bassey that was in front of him. He thinks that he's going to win the header, so I can only assume his his instinct takes his arm up to kind of protect his face, whether he thinks Bassey's going to hit him or whether he thinks the ball is going to hit him. But when Bassey misses it, his arm, you need to say, actually is in an unnatural position. I mean, I think that one is a clear penalty. I mean, his arm's up and it comes off his elbow. You're right, the Mugabe one is maybe a bit more, uh, a bit less fortunate in terms of he has got no time. I think he is fooled by the by Arfield ducking in front of him and he's not got a lot of time to get his arm out the road. But again, it is slightly up. So, I mean, even without the rule, no, they're running the risk of the of the referee giving a penalty in, in that situation. But, listen, they've been unfortunate if... Um, no, I think any team conceding those penalties in normal circumstances would have, uh, would have a grievance about it. Yeah, it's quite strange to be discussing this in a game that Rangers dominated so readily. I mean, yeah. yes, Motherwell had a penalty claim. I, I know a lot of people have said that Motherwell should have been given at least one penalty. Scott, to be honest, I wasn't even that convinced by the challenge by Glenn Kamara on Alan Campbell. I would say it's a it's one of those 50-50 ones, whether or not it's a penalty, because for me, the force wasn't that significant for him to go yeah. down. I, I, I didn't think it was a stonewaller, that's for sure. But it's, it, this, this matches the story of it. It's become about these decisions. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the mother one was a stonewaller. I think on second look, I mean, during the game as I watched it, 
I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought it was like extremely soft, um, mm. and I thought the referee got it right. I must admit, having watched the replay, you know, I didn't realise first time around that Kamara has actually put his put his arm to his back and, and nudged him. I mean, there's not a lot in it, but I can see why Motherwell would want a penalty. And I think there have been a wee bit unlucky with that one as well. I think uh, Bobby Madden could have could have given that. Um, so I they, they were a wee bit unfortunate with that. But as I say, e- even with that. Uh, I don't think there was ever going to be any any doubt about the outcome of the, of the match. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've had a terrific uh, free kick from Mark O'Hara that, that Al McGregor saved brilliantly, yeah. and then an own goal that, that again, there's been a lot of players in this game that have been ducking out the way of, uh, yeah. of, of challenges and stuff, but it, it was a, I think it was um, Declan Gallagher flicks the ball on, yeah. and the ball just comes directly off George Edmondson's head and goes in. But apart from that, Motherwell had none of the game. So let's move on to what Rangers did well and and, and who performed. Uh, and, and straight away, Scott, I just want to ask you about Jordan Jones because I felt going into this one when he was selected, this is last chance saloon for Jordan Jones, even though yep. he's, he's done quite well in the little cameo appearances we've seen from him this season. Just because it's Gerard saying, right, go out and prove me wrong. And, and listen... Uh, I didn't think he had a huge impact all the way through no. the game, but that was a decisive moment uh, and a really, really terrific finish. And, and maybe that's going to give uh, the manager some food for thought in terms of his transfer status going forward. Yeah, yeah. First, first of all, I'm surprised at how Jordan Jones has managed to fight his way back into the manager's plans because everything, no, everything that you heard or everything. No, everything pointed towards Jordan Jones leaving Rangers. He's been so far out of the picture. Um, it's been untrue. I mean, it's, it feels like ever since the, the red card against Celtic, Ibrox, he's barely been seen since. And, and Gerrard has never really spoke of him in glowing terms. So you felt as if his time, his time there was going to be up. So, listen, I think the player deserves credit for hanging in there. Um, he's obviously done well in training over three seasons. I know he certainly did well in the, the game I was at uh, over in Leon in the friendly tournament when he came mm. off the bench and made a and made an impact. So I think he deserves credit for getting getting his way back in. I was surprised to see him uh, start at the weekend. Like you, I, I mean, I don't think. I mean, I've seen some people kind of going over the top, no man of the match and all that. I don't, I don't buy that. I thought he had a decent game, but the best thing you can say about him is that he came in. And had a real impact, Johnny. You no, know, no, influenced the game. You no, know, had a had a proper impact with that goal. You no, know, a stunning goal, stunning build up, brilliant run, great first touch and great finish. Um, and that will do his chances. The world are good, and I think you're right. It's it's just giving Gerard another option. I think against teams with a back three, in that channel between between wing-back and, and centre-back, I think can be a real uh, weapon for Rangers. He's probably the only guy they've got um, who gives them that. So it just gives Gerard another option. Obviously, after the game, Jones has spoke about how determined he is to, you know, to stay involved and how much he wants to stay at Rangers. And I think that'll be music to the ears of uh, Stephen Gerrard. I mean, I thought I thought Jones faded slightly in the, in the second half, as you'd maybe expect, because he's not played a lot of football. But what I would say is, and I, listen, I'm, I'm no... I'm not having a go again at Brandon Barker, but to me, to me, Jordan Jones, Jordan Jones or Brandon Barker, there's always only going to be one winner. I would always rather have Jordan Jones in my team, and I think 
in that one performance in, in Sunday, he showed why. I mean, Brandon Barker has had countless opportunities in Europe and in the Scottish Premiership, especially this season, uh, domestically. And I don't, I haven't seen him make that kind of impact in terms of actually influencing the game, scoring a goal or coming up with an assist or a couple of assists. I just couldn't see Brandon Barker scoring that type of goal. Um, mm. And as I say, for me, Jordan Jones, no, Jordan Jones will feel as if he's maybe jumped ahead of the, the likes of Barker in the in the pecking order. Listen, absolutely well done to Jordan Jones for the way he's turned that round. Uh, obviously, we'll see if it's enough given there's still a few days left in the transfer window to go. But I think it would be remiss of us, Scott, not to dig into a wee bit more detail around the goal for uh, Scott Arfield's contribution, because I think he's one of the most underrated of the Rangers squad this season. I think he's been given a lot that's been going unnoticed. And he really showed his class. Terrific one-two, Morelos. He's carrying the ball really well. He looks really fit and really sharp. He's never let Rangers down the entire time he's been at the club. And that pass was as good as the run and finish, actually, yeah. by Jordan Jones. What do you make of our field so far this season? Do you agree? I, th- I do agree. I think he's been brilliant since he came in. I mean, it's a strange one because, you know, speaking to some Rangers fans at the start of this season, I think there was a general feeling that, you know, Scott Arfield was maybe kind of, not, not getting nudged out the door, but certainly getting nudged kind of further away from the, the starting lineup. Um Listen, last season, you know, without getting into details, I mean, Arfield did a personal issue, that, that a family issue that um, Stephen Gerrard spoke about. He was out the team for a wee while, and you know, I think it maybe affected him, and I don't think he was at the top of his game for for spells last season, and I think that's maybe why there was that feeling coming into the new campaign that maybe he wasn't going to be a, a regular starter. But, listen, I think Arfield, you need to remember... Know, what he's done in the game, where he's played. You know, he's a top-class player. Um, I think he should be a starter in that Rangers team. I think he gives them something in midfield uh, that others can't. I think he's box-to-box. I think he's willing to go beyond the striker. Um, he's a goal threat. And as he proved at the weekend, you know, he can also carve teams open with, with a pass, like he did for, for Jones, uh, for Jones's goal. So... For me, overall, I thought I thought Tavernier and Arfield were the two standouts in the game. Uh, I thought Tavernier just for the off, you know, set the tempo in terms of. I mean, Gerard spoke about it himself. Just in terms of the standards that he set from early doors, in terms of that high press, you no, know, really putting pressure on Motherwell. And you no, know, listen, I've been critical of Tavernier at times, questioning maybe whether he's whether he is a proper Rangers captain, but I thought he certainly led by by example on Sunday, just in the way the way that he played, the way that he set the tone uh, right through the right through the off. I thought him and Arfield were outstanding throughout the game. Obviously Jones did well. I thought Morelos actually did well again. Just Scott, just before we move on from Tavernier, I just want I know you love your stats. So I'm going to throw one out here for you now. In eleven games, how many goals and assists do you think he's got? Combined, he must have 11 games, 12 goals and assists. It's, it, it's not quite as good as that, but it's 10. So, yeah. I mean, 10 from 11 for a fullback is, I mean, yeah, utterly no, I sensational. Uh, to compare that to someone like Yanis Hadji, who's played, uh, I think, 11 games 
He's got five assists and one goal. Now, yeah. that would normally be considered pretty good. Yeah, um, and listen, but, he, even the... I mean, obviously, not a lot of them have been penalties, Johnny, but hmm. I think even the fact that Tavernier stood up again to go and take the penalties when there was a bit of Dubai about you know, who was going to hit them. He obviously missed a couple last season. Others had a try for a while. Rangers couldn't find a penalty taker, but clearly you know, he stepped up and told the manager this season... No, I'll I'll go back on them, and no, he started he started well. Obviously, um, I think he started the season really well. But I, just, I thought on Sunday, it was uh, it was very good. Just the way, you no, know, in terms of the way he led the the team, others kind of followed in terms of that that high intensity game, uh, and that's when Rangers at their best, and that's why they were ultimately they were too good for for Motherwell. I thought it was excellent. Are we seeing that more often, Scott? The fullbacks pressing up high on the opposition fullbacks. I felt like Tavernier was really pronounced in that uh, at the weekend. You know, he's right up on whoever's getting the ball. Um, if, yep. if Trevor Carson was knocking it out to the fullbacks, which I think Gerard possibly identified Motherwell do in terms of the way they filtered the ball out, it, it was it was incredibly high the way he yep. was up that pitch. Um, I noticed actually, funnily enough. <laughs> Um, in the Liverpool game against Arsenal, Liverpool were doing exactly the same I thing, know, and they, they highlighted it later on on Monday yeah. Night Football. I, I agree with you, but I think I'm right in saying Gerard actually said after the game that he was talking tactically, and no, he obviously knows more than us, but he was saying uh, that they actually tinkered with it, with it slightly, and maybe I picked him up wrong, but it sounded as if he was saying that they didn't. The fullbacks didn't go as high as they normally do because Motherwell were playing with a uh, were playing with a back three. That kind of changed their, their thinking. But certainly watching mm. the game, you're right. I mean, Bassey wasn't as high up as as Tavernier, but that's what I mean. Just at the start of the game, the way Tavernier pressed Motherwell. I mean, Rangers at times, no, just suffocated Motherwell. Really, I mean, there was there was times in the first half where Motherwell were struggling to go out their go out their own half. Um, and I think you touched on it earlier in the season. That's what Rangers this year are trying to do. You know, trying to you know, kill teams with possession, uh, starve them with the ball, starve them with chances, really just suffocate opposition teams. And eventually, by doing that, chances will, will come along, whether it's in the shape of obviously getting a wee bit of luck with the, with the penalties um, or just by by scoring for uh, open play, obviously, but certainly they were they were totally dominant in that that first half. Just on Tavernier before we change the subject and go on to Morelos, which I think you were going to do there before I yeah. interrupt, interrupted you. Uh, I noticed that um, there's a report coming from down south today saying that West Ham have got Tavernier on their long list, and uh, they've suffered an injury to their right back Ryan Fredericks. Yeah. Now. <laughs> We can argue all day about whether or not going to Davy Moyes' West Ham would be a good idea for Tavernier, but I suppose the reality is when a Premier League come, club comes in for you with big money and they're based in London, yep. it's a pretty tempting offer. I mean, London is the place where footballers want to be. This is the Instagram generation after all. Yeah, I suppose if it is tangible, if there is something there, the question would be, how on earth could Rangers consider anything less than mega money for their yeah. captain right now? I think you're right. I think you've hit the nail on the. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, would, would I'm out. Listen, West Ham will need a right back with Fredericks out. No, I think they've tried a couple of uh, younger players in that position recently, but Moyes will certainly be looking for somebody. And why wouldn't? Does he strike me as a Moyes style player though? 
That's often. No, you're probably right. Certainly the way Moyes is kind of trying to uh, try to change kind of West Ham style. But but if you're Davy Moyes and you're looking around, um, you know, for a right back in Britain, and you don't want to spend silly money, then I think most teams would look. That's when they look to the to the old firm, um, and certainly Tavernier would be a no stick out like a sore thumb in terms of you're trying to go and get a go and get a right back. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if if West Ham are in for him, uh, if Moyes uh, wants him there. Uh, as you say, then no, would a move to West Ham be great? The way they've gone through managers, you no, know, the way there's there's a there's a lot of ill feeling at the minute between fans and and the board there. No, is it the best? Would it be the best club to go? It probably not, but. You're right. It's big money. It's Premier League. It's ultimately, you no, know, privately probably where James Tavernier wants to be, to be playing his football. If the if the mm. truth be told, um, so it would come down to how much money was an offer, both to the club and also to him, obviously. But I think you're right. If Rangers, if Rangers were to entertain any sort of bid. Um, I think it would need to be for Tavernier with those kind of numbers that you're talking about, and given that it is to the Premier League, which is which is a wash with, with cash. You no know, Rangers couldn't surely uh, entertain anything less than what, you no know, twelve, fifteen million. Do you think for oh, Tavernier? Um, yeah, because it's, he's just such an important part of this team. There is literally nobody more important to this setup than Tavernier and Barisic. Yeah. It's, it, it, they're absolutely integral. I don't think there's anyone in this team, including Goldson, including Morelos, including even Kent. Kent, Kent maybe. Maybe Kent. Yeah. But I, I honestly think if you're talking about taking one of those guys out, and if oh. the recruitment for a replacement wasn't absolutely spot on, well, that's, you'd that's be talking a- about... That's real, real saying. problems. That that's the that's the real issue is that you know, in terms of money, Rangers need to replace them. I mean, how do you replace? I mean, how do you, you're saying twelve games, eleven goals and assists combined? I mean, how much money do you need to spend to go and get a right back who gives you those kind of numbers? So that's what Rangers would need to would need to consider, as well as obviously how the player himself feels about it. But that that's the big thing about Tavernier. I mean, you can criticise. All you want, of course, he's made some mistakes in the last few years, and big games that have led to big goals. No, maybe not a hundred percent. The Rangers support are, are, are totally convinced about him, but my God, he's got consistency, he's got longevity, he's got assists, he's got goals. No, he steps up to the plate. You listen to other players. I mean, I always think you listen to somebody like Andy Halliday. Speaking who's got Rangers at heart, you know, he's been in that dressing room and kinda of knows what it knows what it takes, knows what it means. When he speaks so highly of uh, Tavernier, no, you need to you need to listen. So if if Rangers were to lose him, it would be a huge blow and it would need to be it would need to be serious money coming in to try and find a replacement. Uh, the last topic from this game, I think we can't uh, go without discussing it, is obviously Cedric Eaton. He has yep. not looked terrific so far, but it's very, very early days. And I think probably uh, has been put under a little bit of pressure given the way that um, Celtic's 23-year-old Swiss striker yep. has started the season. Um, now, I actually went back for a piece that I did for Record Sports, Scott, and I watched every single touch that Eaton has made Sorry. so far um, at Rangers. and. 
there's, there's, there's clearly a player there. I think we saw that and discussed this on the podcast previously when we were talking about his 90 minutes against Kilmarnock earlier in the season. He's a guy that's got technical qualities, quite robust physically, um, good touch on the ball. So there's something there. But I think we saw for the first time a sense of ruthlessness in, in yep. what he's capable of in front of goal. And he got himself into positions that were, were really quite dangerous. One of my concerns, having watched everything that he's done for Rangers, let's be honest, it's not a long, lengthy amount of minutes that he's had. But but in, yeah. in terms of what he's done so far, he spent a lot of time outside of the box. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see him get that second goal. I think any Rangers fan will be delighted that he's just been able to sniff that out. But that first goal, that showed real quality. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, that, listen, uh, there was a wee bit of concern over it, and, and of course it's early doors. The only reason there's, there's, there was a bit of concern uh, about the kind of lack of impact was two things. One, you've touched on already, Ajeti comes in at Celtic and no, hasn't, has barely kicked a ball in a year and just hits the ground running. No, I think he's got five or, five or six goals now in a, in a Celtic shot already. And also the fact that just... no the way this season is and how important it is and what's at stake and given that Rangers went and signed Itten and Roof to really supplement their attack you know, and most people at that point probably thought Morelos was was going to be going so Roof and Itten were the two guys that were going to come in and replace him so there was a bit of pressure there on him and you no, know, it hasn't made that I can uh, well, maybe the kind of impact that people, people would have expected especially given that no, he was up to speed when he came in. It wasn't as if he, no, he had months without, without a game of football he'd played. I think a fortnight before and, and scored a hat trick for his last his last club. So there was a wee bit of concern, I think, creeping into the the supporters about what this guy was going to bring. But I think you're right. I think ultimately there is a a really good player in there. It's taken a wee bit of time to come out, but obviously Sunday was huge for him. Just getting that monkey off his back. Getting the first two goals, two very different goals, but no impressive for for different reasons. The first one, I thought it was great. The fact that no, I think it was Tavernier had made a run, and the simple thing would have just been to play to play into the runner, especially for a striker maybe lacking a wee bit of confidence, hasn't he scored yet? It would have been easy just to play that pass, um, but the the decoy run took the defender away and actually helped him. He takes a brilliant touch and a, and a great finish. Um, and that would have done him the, the world of good. The second goal is good for his point of view because it's a, it's a kind of scrappy striker's finish. All about instinct, being in the right place at the right time, you know, sniffing out a chance and, and putting it away. Um, and I think, you know, I've seen people speaking about it online, you could see um, not just what it meant to Atten himself, but what it meant to the to the rest of the Rangers squad. No, they they they've clearly taken to him. No, they're clearly they're clearly desperate to get uh, to see him get off the mark. And that's why they celebrate. I think every player celebrated with him after the after the first goal. So in terms of Gerard thinking about you no know, his striking options and just you no know, getting guys game time, getting them you no know, getting hitting goals, getting the four some more minutes. Morelos looking sharp again. Uh, no, it's a real, real boost for the manager. Um, and that, that's, I think there was there was so many positives to come out of to come out of Sunday for for Stephen Gerrard to be delighted. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Listen, let's move on now to Galatasaray on Thursday and just do a brief preview of what to expect 
Scott, are you one of these um, characters that looks at this game and thinks tough opposition? If Rangers go out here, it's not the end of the world, given the potential impact on the title. Honestly, Johnny, I probably am. Um, I think, I think in my heart of hearts, Rangers going out uh, the Europa League has to help the their domestic chances, their chances of the title. I just, I can't, I just don't think there's any any denying that. No, having a free run at the domestic stuff, no, the league and the cups, um, I think has to be of benefit to you. No, I think Stephen Gerrard would argue with that. Play, players would argue with that. They see the European thing as a real, um, no, it's a high level. It keeps them at that level. I think Rangers' record coming back off Europa League games and playing in the Sunday is actually very good over the last two and a half years so you can't kind of throw that at them but it's the type of game as you say really tough opposition I don't think anybody no, could criticise Rangers if they go out to a, a club like Galatasaray in the, the playoff round they wouldn't want to but if they did I think no, whether they like it or not it would help I think it would help uh, help their domestic uh, chances in terms of catching Celtic and going and going and winning the, the title. Um, but listen, in, in saying all that, I actually think they've got a really good chance of going through. Um, I've no seen, uh, I've seen very little of uh, Galatasaray, so I'm not sure exactly wh- where they're at. They've obviously got some good players that everybody's that everybody's heard of, but um, I think if the fans were in at Ibrooks on Thursday night. I would strongly fancy Rangers to go through. The fact that there's no crowd, I think, will help uh, Galatasaray. Makes it a bit tougher. Um, but listen, I still think Rangers have got every every chance of going through. Yeah, I fancy Rangers to go through, Scott. But I agree with you. If it if it doesn't happen, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. I think no. uh, ultimately that rests and uh, the extra time for pe- preparation for Cup and League games will really be of benefit to Rangers. So it'll be really interesting to see how that pans out. See, before we go, I'm going to read you some quotes. I was uh, having a wee look at uh, Galatasaray fans forum to see how their supporters are looking forward to the game, whether or not they think they've got a chance or whether they think they'll they'll run riot or not. And I'm, I've got a few quotes from you for you, uh, yeah. just to, to end on an upbeat note, OK? So um, first one is from a guy called Can Bilge. And this is a direct quote from the from the Galatasaray fans forum. He's put, "There's a baby called Kent. They run like fleas, and it can upset us." <laughs> um, so there's a, there's another fan there um, who says, uh, "This is a, a guy called Yenor Bardan. They've scored 20 goals in the last five matches, an average of four goals per game. Two of these were European matches. Their rivals may be weak mites." But the physical fidelity of the men is obvious. <laughs> and it's been a long time since their league started. Uh, and you, finally... You've been on that Google Translate, <laughs> you? I have, yes. <laughs> uh, I, my Turkish isn't the best. But finally, um, one of them has said, uh, and this is uh, Hakan Ergon, Jones and Hadji can get rid of us. I do not think we will stay in the groups after this game. Um, yeah. So uh, well, I have to say they were... They were they weren't, they weren't altogether confident. I think uh, Galatasaray are a team who, who haven't spent much money in the transfer window because yeah. of the COVID situation. Uh, and they have a lot of older stars, guys you'll have heard of, yeah. but who are maybe coming towards the end of their career, like uh, 
um, Ryan Babel, Falcao. and of course Falcao, um, who, who are always going to be dangerous. But I think the, the physicality, pace, and energy that Rangers have is going to cause them serious problems. But anyway, listen, we've we've overrun for time. We'll we'll look ahead to that and. Uh, Hopefully we will uh, discuss the game next week. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, Scott, thanks for coming on. If you guys want to, con- if you guys want to continue the debate, you can on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott Eight. If you like the podcast, and we know many of you do, go onto iTunes and give us a five star review. As that helps us get the podcast to as many people as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening. Yeah.